0: Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo
1: Welcome to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. I am Chris Graham, and Jerry Ratcliffe, Jerry, haven't haven't seen you in a few days. Uh, As we're recording this podcast, we do these on Zoom, so we actually get to see each other. Uh, Jerry, hope things are going well for you.
2: Yeah, things are going well. Um, Just uh, as spring sports start to wind down a little bit. Um, but football and basketball seem to be year-round now, so <laughs> that never winds down, really.
1: I hope you're well, too. We got our notes today, got our emails today telling us to save the date for the ACC football kickoff July 20th and 21st in Charlotte. Uh, that's the sign to me that, you know, some folks in Greensboro, at least, are thinking about uh, a couple of months away. That makes us start thinking about it, too. It's on my calendar now. so. Uh, T minus roughly two months and counting until we get to really dig into football, right?
2: That's right. And, uh, you know, not short shortly after that, the uh, training camp opens up. And so uh, it'll be on full bore.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, let's maybe start with football. Um, maybe even start with, okay, so football, there's a lot of news we can talk about. Let's start talking about a season away from now. So 2022, schedule already set. 2023 big announcement this week. Virginia and Tennessee will open the 2023 season in Music City in Nashville. That's big news for our Virginia fans.
2: Yeah, it really is, uh, Chris. I think it's an exciting way to open the season. I believe um, gets people fired up. I think for the football team too, it gets them excited because uh, they know they they don't have a sort of a warm up game to get things going like uh, they've had mostly in the from the get-go, or, or you can get embarrassed in a game like that. So uh, they got to bring their A game or as close as they can get to it to open the season. And that, uh, that puts a lot of pressure on the players and the coaching staff at that point to, uh, to get ready, be ready for a team like Tennessee, who seems to be – they, their program seems to be straightened out now after hiring uh, Josh uh, – is it Heupel? Is that how you pronounce it? hypo yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, they've diddled, diddled around a lot over the past decade with coaches, keeping them for a couple of years and getting rid of them. But this guy seems to have his act together. I think he might be there a while.
1: We hope so because you know the, their their pattern certainly is if 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 they go like only seven and five in twenty twenty two he might be on his butt too the way Tennessee fans still think that twenty years ago uh, when they won a national title roughly that they should still be there but. Uh, you know, I remember the we, the we didn't get among the things we didn't get because of the of the pandemic. We didn't get Virginia Georgia to open up the twenty twenty season. Yeah, and, um, you know, another SEC certainly an SEC power in Georgia. Tennessee uh, is is aspiring to get back to that uh, status, but um, yeah, I I remember talking years ago, Jerry, at one of those ACC kickoffs. Um, Trying to think, maybe it was Georgia Tech what was opening with like Notre Dame, and Chan Gailey was the coach. This is a long time ago, and I remember you know asking the question. So, what does that do? I mean, normally you start with somebody easy, I starting with somebody hard, and he said, "This is this is tailored. This is colored every off-season workout we've done. It was it was in front of us in spring practice. You know, certainly training camp. I mean, we know we got to be ready to play a, a great team, and so for Virginia, same thing. I mean, I'm sure." Next year, when spring practice rolls around, and every time a guy's out there running a sprint or lifting a weight, they're thinking about Tennessee and uh, getting ready for a big game. There, a chance on a national stage to to make a splash. So, I mean that yeah, that can you know that's a lot different to start with Richmond like Virginia starting this year.
2: Oh no question. It'd be interesting to find out some of the inner workings behind the scenes. you know, obviously it's not going to be a home and home and it's not going to be in Knoxville, but a, a game in Nashville is, is pretty much still a home game for Tennessee. No question about that. Uh, so I'm sure volunteer nation will be there in full force. Uh, I don't know how many tickets Virginia is, is going to get in this game. I don't know how they've decided on that, but, um, Apparently, uh, Tennessee was supposed to play BYU and backed out of that deal. I don't know if it's because of BYU is joining a conference or, or how all that transpired. But um, the first $2 million in ticket sales from the Virginia-Tennessee game goes to BYU to pay them off for Tennessee backing out of that deal. So um, – and I think Virginia had to dump William and Mary from its schedule to accommodate this game. So uh, I know that this 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 upcoming season's uh, Virginia schedule is ranked uh, the weakest in the ACC and far as strength of schedule goes, and uh, I think maybe the weakest in all the Power Five. So I'm guessing Tony Elliott. Uh, wanted to address that a little bit too and, and not have that sort of weak schedule going forward because uh, I know he, he already had JMU, I think Maryland, and William and & Mary on the schedule for that season. So uh, I guess he wanted to try to toughen it up a little bit.
1: Very different approach than the previous guy. Bronco Mendenhall made it clear that uh, he, he, he didn't mind <laughs> – <laughs> playing a week, a week or non conference schedule. I'm, I'm trying to put that uh, as, as politely as possible. And so he made that clear to the board of visitors a couple of different times, I think. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I've, you know, I mean, I've always been in the mindset, you know, dating back to when Bobby Bowden was trying to get Florida state back on the map feels like a hundred years ago, go out there and play good teams. And if you play good teams and, and, you know, you play them well, uh, you know, that it'll help your recruiting. It'll, it'll get people excited about you. And, eventually you'll be able to win some of those games and people will pay more attention to you. You know, you, you play Richmond and William and Mary every week, no offense to Richmond and William and Mary, but you know, that's just not going to move the needle.
2: No. And, and, and you have to be careful also not to overschedule, which, uh, which happened some to Algro and some to Mike London, not that they had anything to do with that, but, um, at least uh, in some portions, because the, uh, John Oliver, who used to be the associate AD and in charge of football for Virginia, uh, tried to toughen up the, some of those schedules. Uh, I understand his rationale behind that and bringing in, I think, top-ranked Southern Cal, uh, Oregon, Um who else did we have in there that was really good uh, over that stretch? Uh,
1: Southern Cal, or, uh, yeah, we played we played Southern Cal back uh, home and home Oregon certainly home and home BYU, but we we actually BYU. won one of those games.
2: Yeah, I think there was some some others in there, but anyway, um, I think uh, his rationale was, and it makes sense if if it works, is that he he was going back. Uh, he told me he read a lot of the stuff. Um retro from the 1995 season that I wrote um, when Virginia played Michigan on the road to open the season, damn near one, should have won.
1: Should have won. won,
2: yeah. Uh, lost at Texas. Uh, I can't remember what they were ranked. They were a top 20 team, I'm pretty sure. Uh, should have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the only game I've ever covered that I f- felt like officials were actually cheating uh, in favor of the home team in my entire career. Uh, and even some Texas people will tell you they thought so too. (laughs) Um, but anyway, uh, what an exciting season that was and, uh, taking on big time teams and, um, Oliver's, uh, thinking was if you play some of those teams early and you pull off the upset, uh, Probably puts you in the top 25 early, uh, which gets the fan base excited early, which f- puts some fannies in the seat early, um, gets the players excited, uh, gives you some momentum, but you got to win uh, or at least make it close. Yeah. Make it worth your while. And and all those games, as we recall, were blowouts for the most part. Uh, I think the game at Southern Cal came down to uh, it was a lot closer than anybody expected. Virginia could have won that game. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, all these other games against uh, some of these powerhouses uh, were pretty much lopsided. So I, I can see where that uh, works. You just got to be careful you don't over schedule. And, um, I think that's kind of what happened last year with Virginia in the back end of the schedule when they had to go to BYU and then uh, had an open date and then hosted Notre Dame without Brennan Armstrong. Uh, I I think those two games killed – just killed the team, killed the season. Uh, If they'd have played somebody a little weaker than BYU – probably would have won seven games, possibly won eight, if Brandon Armstrong hadn't gotten hurt at BYU. I, I still think if Armstrong's healthy against Notre Dame, the Virginia might just win that game.
1: Well, and then if he's healthy the rest of the season, too. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah. like Sean Moore in 1990. You know, you you got your, you got your trigger guy, and if, if he's not hurt, even if he's playing hurt, he's not still the same. So, um, yeah, I agree. Um Maybe play BYU earlier. Uh, maybe that's a lesson too. Um, and that's what we're doing with Tennessee. We're playing the first game out, uh, and and getting that out of the way, and you get a nice win over at Tennessee. And Pitt beat Tennessee last year. Now that was a, uh, I think that was on campus at Tennessee. But when Pitt beat Tennessee early last year, that really propelled them. Uh, that was a that was a uh, you know put some wind behind their sails early in the season, and and uh, that Pitt team ended up winning double digit games. So yeah, you can certainly do that and, and and benefit from it if if you can get a win and and, and be able to kind of build off that.
0: Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's Big Time Steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions, tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Yeah, uh,
2: Virginia will be breaking in a new quarterback next year, yeah. And uh, I think Tennessee will be, too, because Hinton uh, Hooker, uh, he's a senior this year,
1: right? For yeah, Hinton Hooker, a name that of Virginia fans will be familiar with from Virginia Tech days, uh, uh, he went down there and put up some big numbers last year for, for Tennessee, uh, as a lot of Tech fans lamented, considering their quarterback situation last year.
2: Absolutely. And, hey, uh, let's, let's you, you talk mentioned, about uh, – you, gonna... you mentioned that 1990 uh, – season and then uh, that's the last time Virginia played Tennessee oh
1: <laughs> uh, well I did yeah I'm overlooking that when I wrote the I little, wrote a little column about the fact we're playing Tennessee next year I said the 30 plus year cold war is over <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I and don't know then. that we play them in anything scheduled I mean maybe in some of the non-revenue sports but it was basketball
2: there was a basketball game that infamous basketball game
1: was there a oh that's right. We did play them and it was forty-eight the 48-38 game.
2: Uh it was the one where they blew Virginia out. And, and oh like, well the
1: one down, yeah. Okay, yeah. The one
2: that one calls, uh, calls Joe Harris to drive to Tony Bennett's house. And yeah, uh, yeah the
1: 8950 and, and then the next year I think we played them in JPJ was forty eight thirty eight. Um we played a, a Tony yeah, Bennett special. Yeah. Set basketball back several decades. But yeah, yeah, you're right. The famous Joe Harris game. Yeah. Uh but uh, the the Cold War uh, uh, allusion being to what what our former pep band did to the Elvis impersonator.
2: <laughs> I wonder if Tennessee fans have forgotten that.
1: <laughs> There's a whole generation that will have to be reminded between now uh, and next September second, <laughs> September second like
2: of 2023. Uh, for, for those that don't know what we're talking about, um, halftime in the Sugar Bowl, Virginia's infamous pep band came out and. Uh, made pretty good fun of, uh, Tennessee fans being hillbillies. And, uh, uh, didn't they, didn't they kill Elvis or something? Yeah,
1: uh, I think they oh. stamp, stampeded him. Right. And, and, you know, the, the joke was, you know, Elvis, this is 1991. Uh, there were always the people who you know said Elvis hadn't really died and it was a conspiracy or he was living somewhere and he'd be seen at seven 11. And so, uh, the UVA pet band took care of that rumor by killing Elvis. <laughs>
2: Yes. Which, uh, they were booed heavily, if I recall.
1: <laughs> and people were so offended. I mean, it was, you know, the I guess the word hadn't gotten down there yet that Elvis really was dead. And, um, just like the, ten, the West Virginia folks were upset, uh, at the, another bowl game, uh, well, one of those tire bowls. Yes. Um, about, uh, a, a dating game skit that they did. And, uh, uh, I think the governor of West Virginia got involved. I mean, you know, it, it, I don't know that it needed to go that far, but that one at least got us, you know, somebody donated money and got us a marching band. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes things work. I, I still, I still kind of miss the pet band sometimes, but, um, <laughs> that uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm probably in a minority on that. But, uh, anyway, I, I, I remember, I remember more fond, fond memories of, of the, uh, the pepper. So I was a student in the 1990s as well. Um, so yes. Hey, let's talk about um, this. We're kind of catching up on some news here. Since we haven't talked on the podcast football for a while, you had a story about um, Virginia getting uh, some big news off the transfer portal a couple weeks ago, former Miami running back Cody Brown, a four star high school recruit who had some big name suitors after him when he was in high school, committing to UVA. And considering the injuries in the backfield that we uh, both noted in our columns on spring, uh, spring football EVA, this is a huge pickup for Virginia.
2: I agree, Chris. Uh, Yeah. This kid uh, came out of one of the uh, out of Parkview high school, just outside of Atlanta in the suburbs, Uh, a school that's, that's known for producing big time running backs. Uh, They have a great legacy of running backs at that school. And, he was a consensus four-star around the country. Um, was on the Atlanta Journal Constitution Super Eleven. That's uh, you yeah, know pretty good players on that list every year. Uh, he gained uh, at least fifteen hundred yards his last three seasons. Each season, his last three seasons of high school, there couldn't nobody could stop him. He scored more than sixty touchdowns, and he ended up. Uh, choosing Tennessee uh, over, like you said, an all-star list of schools that were after him. Um, And uh, that's when Tennessee fired one of their coaches. Uh, And so he opted out and uh, got released from his commitment or his uh, letter of intent and chose Miami over Auburn, Florida, and Florida State. Uh, Again, a pretty good list of of schools that were in pursuit um so this guy is legit uh he's a he's a, a downhill runner uh he has a, a, a real good muscle mass he's uh ha- he's had that ever since he was a senior in high school he he's a a, a big physical runner he's 511 to 20 maybe um From what I understand, uh, he's got a great stiff arm, good vision. Uh, Exactly the kind of guy that they need in that backfield to try to help uh, establish a running game that Tony Elliott wants. So uh, that was a good pickup. And and as we both noted, uh, we don't know the status of Ronnie Walker Jr. for training camp. Uh, Tony uh, uh, alluded to the fact that they weren't sure um in spring exactly if he'd be back for training camp or not although I, uh some people think they have him slotted as a potential starter in the fall so um he was having a good camp and got hurt uh with an undisclosed leg injury of some sort I, we don't know if it was his knee or something else but um that left their backfield a little thin they have um mike hollins who He's uh, been around for a couple of years, but still hasn't quite established himself like some people had hoped. Uh, he looked good in the spring, uh, in the spring game, um, but didn't to do anything dominating. And again, that was behind an offensive line that was uh, playing some guys both ways because of lack of depth at this point. Um, and Ahmad Fauston, another kid out of Georgia who had some incredible numbers in high school. Um, and we didn't hear a whole lot about him in the spring in terms of how he might have upped his game. So uh, it was pretty key that they get another guy and to get one with the background and a reputation like Cody Brown. That's, that was a, definitely a good pickup. No question.
1: Another big pickup, uh, off the transfer portal, uh, a grad transfer from South Carolina, Devonte Davis, uh, defensive tackle. Uh, you know, Virginia did a great job, uh, in the off season on the transfer portal addressing the two end defensive end positions. Um, and, and they've got some guys at defensive tackle, but you, you know, depth is always a key. Uh, as we saw last year, injuries can really deplete you uh, as the season goes on. So having another guy and a, a six-year guy, six-four, three hundred 300 pounds. This is a big pickup for the Virginia defensive line.
2: Yeah, Devontae Davis, um, I'm not going to get excited about him yet because uh, he he really didn't play all that much at South Carolina. Uh, no starts. Uh, he was there for three years after playing at Georgia Military College. Uh, he only had – uh, he played in eight games last season as a redshirt senior, but he only had four tackles, uh, and three of those were against Texas A&M. So I'm going to reserve my excitement about him until we actually see him in action. Uh, he's, he's definitely got the size, and he's definitely definitely has been around for a while, but um, uh, his his numbers. Uh, don't exactly jump off the page at you.
1: My excitement is he's a warm body from a power five school. <laughs> we need depth on the line.
2: <laughs> this is true. This too. And that is something to get excited about because, uh,
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, his body's warm. He's going to be in grad school. Um, if nothing else, he's uh, you know, he'll give us some practice depth. Uh, and, and that doesn't hurt you either. If, You know, yeah, he's not—he's not necessarily going to push Aaron Falmui and and some of those guys who are coming back, but uh, maybe if he does, then even better.
2: Yeah, you never know. Sometimes a change of scenery brings out uh, something different in guys, so maybe this is what he needed to ignite his his uh, game.
1: You think you got to think that Tony Elliott would have at least uh, known something of him. He's from—he played high school ball in South Carolina. He also played at South Carolina, so. Uh, maybe uh, Tony or you know some of the folks he's talked to um, had some good things to say about him. Let's go to the sh- let's go to your scatter shooting column, and also I wrote about this as well. I want to focus on the ACC uh, and it's uh, the, the talk at the uh, conference level about uh, getting rid of division play. Uh, I guess it will begin in 2023, perhaps, uh, and go to a one big conference uh, where the conference championship game will be determined by. Uh, The two teams with best records instead of having two division winners play in that game. And also then importantly, maybe for fans, uh, you would get a chance to see some of these teams we haven't seen in a while. Every other year, at least Uh, uh, the three five five model uh, that would have you playing uh, three guaranteed opponents each year and then kind of rotating the other 10 every other year. Uh, Lots to unwrap here, Jerry. Where do you want to start?
2: Yeah, I'm not in favor of this uh, three, five, five model. Um, And, uh, you know, do you really need three permanent partners? I don't know, but um, maybe some schools do. I don't think Virginia does. But uh, the the thing that bothers me about uh, eliminating divisional play, uh, I wrote this, you probably did too, is that, You know, in the past, like in 2019, Virginia had to beat out six other teams to win its division and play in the ACC championship game, thusly gaining an an Orange Bowl bid because Clemson was obviously in the uh, college football playoffs. Uh, if you do away with divisional play and only take the top two teams as they did a couple years ago during the COVID year when uh, and and they allowed Notre Dame in which I'm assuming is not going to happen with this but uh, that meant that uh, not only would Virginia have to beat the six teams that it normally would have had to have beaten out for the coastal division title they got to worry about six other teams that that uh, would have been from the Atlantic Division. So instead of beating out six teams to qualify for the ACC Championship, you got to beat out 12 teams for the ACC Championship. Um, And I I did a little research on that, and I think since they began divisional play in 2005, uh, every team that has played in the ACC Championship game over that period, except for three times, has won at least nine games. Um, And if you go back through Virginia's history in football, Virginia has won nine games only eight times in its history. And on three of those occasions, the ninth win came in a bowl game. So uh, we're talking about without – a bowl, both those three bowl wins. Virginia has only won nine games five times in the regular season in its entire 130 or 40 or whatever years history. Uh, that doesn't add up to me to be a, a good thing or a smart thing for Virginia football.
1: I took a I take the similar approach, which is it's not good for Virginia football. Uh, and, and slightly different way of getting there, which is um, two things. I, I, I think it's going to happen uh, sometime in the next few years where the college football playoff is going to expand from its current four to 12. Um, it would not surprise me when it does that, that it will take uh, the power five champions as automatic bids. Kind of like the NCAA tournament takes a conference tournament champion as your automatic bid. And then you'd have seven other at-larges. Um, to me, the only chance Virginia's ever to me the only chance we ever got of getting into a playoff is to is to win the ACC. I don't see a, a Virginia program. I, I just don't see it uh, as ever being one of those twelve and zero or twelve and one teams, thirteen and 12 and one teams that can uh, you know get one, or even eleven and two team that can get one of those bids. So the way we ever have a chance of getting in is win our division with a nine and three record. <laughs> go to the ACC championship game, upset whoever the other team is, and then get the automatic bid and, and play in that way. Um, and so, yeah, you take this away. I, I didn't look up the non-win thing, Jerry. I looked up uh, in eight conference games. To, to me, this is sort of a guess, but um, if you want to take the top two teams, you're probably looking at the ACC's hoping for anyway, 8-0 and versus a 7-1 and team or two and 8-0 teams, but at, at worst 7-1. and um since the acc went to or since the acc went to an eight game conference schedule when in, in the early 90s virginia's went seven and one one time in acc play 1995 that season you wrote about um yeah. one time one time in 30 plus years uh so that ain't very likely it's it's even less likely when you bring in the non-games thing that you talked about jerry so When you add it all up, I mean, if if we want to see a Virginia program have a chance at a playoff berth, which we do, um, if we want to see Virginia have a chance to play in that game, which we do, um, it gets harder this way. Uh, and, And honestly, not just, you know, I wrote about Virginia specifically, but I'm starting to think about like to me. If the NCAA, not the NCAA, the Power Five, <laughs> would, would would embrace divisions not just in the ACC but in every conference, the Big Ten, or Big Ten already has them, the the SEC already has them, maybe have the you know the Big Twelve go in that direction. The Pac Twelve already has it. Um, it'd be kind of like the NFL in a way. You know, your division champs play in a in a, in a championship game. The winners of that uh, get an automatic birth. That means that every game on the schedule means something. Every conference game on a schedule. Duke versus Wake Forest in September means something. Um, Vanderbilt games mean something because if you get upset by Vanderbilt in the SEC, maybe that knocks you out of your division championship race, and maybe that thus knocks you out of a playoff. So it makes every game in every college Power Five stadium in the country mean something. And you know, if we're just going to go to th- – this, this just seems to be let, – let's just make sure the rich get even richer is what this seems to me. Um, and I, I, you know, as a result, I don't like it. I mean, I understand what Jim Phillips is trying to do in one sense of, you know, we have, we don't get to play, you know, the NC States and Clemson's and Syracuse's all that often, but, um, you know, if, if maybe still divide us up into divisions and, and then have champions that way, um, and figure out some more fair way to do it. But if, if we're going to get away from divisions, it hurts the Virginias. It, it hurts everybody other than the big schools. Uh. You know, when I was when you start thinking about it, who, who in the ACC is a regular annual contender um, under this arrangement? It's Clemson, you know, um, and it's, it's Clemson because who, who else right now in the ACC? Miami maybe wants that status. Florida State maybe wants that status. Um, Virginia Tech fans aspire to that status. They had it for a while, but it's been over a decade since they had it. Uh, North Carolina spins to that level; they just haven't played to that level. So, there's only a handful of teams that that really are going to benefit from this. And I don't even know if it's outside of Clemson. So, what are we? What, what problem are we addressing here? Is, is the question I've got?
2: Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I think part of it is it, it, I don't know. It, it, to me, it, it seems like that the ACC is so envious of the SEC and the Big Ten. Because of the incredible amount of money they bring in, uh, the Big Ten br- brought in seven hundred and seventy million in the last report. The SEC seven hundred and thirty million. The ACC lagged way behind at five hundred million. So I don't know if they're chasing their coattails or trying to elevate their status on the national scale, and that the, Jim Phillips. I don't know, wants to put the ACC on on another elite level. Uh, you know, there's all this talk about moving the ACC headquarters to Charlotte or Orlando, which to me is a, a – would be a travesty. Um, Charlotte, I'm, I'm, I'll be shocked if they don't move it to Charlotte because everything the ACC does now seems to be centered in Charlotte. The ACC kickoff that you mentioned earlier, the – ACC basketball tip-off, the ACC football championship game, sometimes the ACC basketball tournament, this year's ACC baseball tournament. Um, it seems to me that they're trying to push the ACC into Charlotte uh, permanently, uh, where ESPN has a stronghold um, and everything is convenient for ESPN. <laughs> Big surprise there. Um so I don't know. To me, the ACC is not the ACC that we grew up and that most of us grew up uh, loving because it was a close, tight-knit family atmosphere, and now it's just a cold corporate atmosphere that seems to be worried about its national image and money more than anything else, and um, more than its own members, <laughs> And influenced by uh, too many outside things. But, um I, I think that is part of the whole drive to uh, eliminate these divisions. Yeah. Who's going to benefit? Uh, like you said, probably the teams that have the best chance of becoming invested heavily into football for years. Um, they're hoping Miami and Florida state have a rebirth. And uh, I think they are secretly pulling from North Carolina to join the elite. Um, Virginia Tech, possibly. I don't know. It, like you said, it's been more than a decade since they've been really relevant on the national scene. So, uh, to me, I, I think it's just a push, another push toward trying to nationalize the ACC and, and make it uh, become a more important player on the national stage than than what it's been in recent years, at least in terms of football. UVA
0: Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country. And they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years. With numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game.
1: And Clemson can only play so many games in a season. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. From a TV and scene Clemson, and
2: Clemson wasn't exactly Clemson last year either. So. They
1: weren't, that's right. I mean, you know, but they we can only schedule them to play 12 games like everybody else can play and only eight of them in the ACC. Um, you know, we we the SEC's got the advantage of having several programs that aspire and spend money like national championship contenders. Um, we, we're not there, and um, yeah, it's uh, you know. Ever since we replaced John – I'll just say, ever, ever since we replaced John Swafford with a Big Ten guy, um, we've been we've been getting a little bit too big for our britches here. Um, I, I think that – I don't know. I, I, I lament them, too. I lament the, the good – I miss the good old days, uh, the good old days where we were proud to be in Greensboro and we were proud to be who we were. A basketball conference that has some decent football teams every once in a while. Now we're trying to be what we're not, and I don't think we'll ever be that.
2: And the ACC tried to push um, – swapffered out earlier than what they did uh, and he is his power has essentially and I you know I guess he had a limited amount of power but and the presidents were always in control to some degree but now they make up the Board of governors or whatever the heck you want to call it that uh, they make all the decisions for the ACC really it's the, the presidents of the 15 schools um, so I don't think I don't. The commissioners can suggest and push and lobby, a lot. But it's up to those presidents what's going to happen, and uh, I'm sure he has a great influence over that. But um, yeah, apparently they didn't like the direction Swafford was taking things, and they tried to push him out uh, a year or two. I think two years earlier than 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 he actually lasted. So. Um, who knows what direction this conference is going to go in. And and with the talk about the NCAA possibly dissolving in, in terms of a governing body, maybe they'll over only overlook championships in various sports. But um, it sounds like to me that uh, a lot of the NCAA power may be gone in the near future as well. And it'll be up to uh, maybe the power five schools to, establish their own football governance of some kind
1: yeah i mean when when, you know study of politics when uh power is dissipated from that source the ncaa in this case is going to go somewhere uh it's going to have to go to some entity whether it be the conferences themselves individually or make more sense for the conference it's going to be something like the ncaa in a sense um it's just somebody outside of the, the the specter there but um yeah there's a lot of stuff that's uncertain right now as far as that goes and it's not gonna be the same we're gonna be writing a lot about stuff off the court and off the field and off the diamond and everything else for for some time um and we won't understand much of it either
2: <laughs> probably not
1: <laughs> i know we we're working they have, on have it.
2: a law degree to understand it anymore
1: i know i should have <laughs> finished law school <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i didn't but i should have um Hey, let's switch to talk to basketball real quick. You know, we had that great interview last week, um, and, uh, got, kind of got a glimpse as to how Isaac McNeely from his high school coach feels about this upcoming trip that Virginia formally announced this week to Italy. Um, but yeah, now we have a schedule, uh, August, the Cavs are heading to Italy for a four game exhibition tour that includes a couple of games against one of the better teams, uh, in European pro basketball, uh, from Serbia. Um, but even more important than that, I think, is just, uh, you know, we, as we wrote a few years ago, Jerry, in our book, uh, Team of Destiny, uh, there was a really important team bonding trip. They didn't go to, to Italy, but they did some important team bonding that summer. Um, the team bonding part of this uh, will be a, a big thing with all these new guys coming in. And and, and also the chance to practice for three weeks and then play some games will be really important for the transfer uh, portal guy, uh, Ben Vanderplass, those freshmen coming in. And just to get everybody back on the same page and, and ahead of the curve as far as getting ready for October and then the season.
2: Yeah, and, it, you know, it, it can only help season, uh, continue to season uh, the guys coming back. Your top six scores from a year ago, uh, they all began to gel the last month of the season. Um, so, gosh, uh, that, that's going to help them too, I think, just kind of pick up where they left off. Uh, So when they enter the season, they won't be trying to figure things out. They'll have learned it and relearned it. And uh, I think the fact that we got Vander coming in, uh, he's already here. uh, I'm sure they're playing pickup games and stuff together. I I don't know what the NCAA rules are in terms – I think coaches can spend X amount of time with uh, new players in the summer – Uh, I think June 17th is when all these guys are planning on coming into town. If, uh, I think that's what Alan Osborne told us, uh, Isaac McNeely's coach. So, uh, they'll have plenty of time to get to know one another and the fact that they're going to be able to play four games in Europe and, uh, against some pretty decent teams and like you said the bonding is is a big part of it as well a huge part of it i know it's helped some of tony bennett's former teams uh when they've made a couple of these trips so pretty good idea on their part to take advantage of this uh situation
1: i think they wanted to do it a couple years ago 2020 and the covid uh uh, pandemic shut them down but um The 2016 team that eventually went to the Elite Eight should have been in the Final Four. Went uh, and went five and zero on a trip to uh, overseas. Uh, the 2012 team uh, was two and three, but uh, that helped a little bit as well getting ready for the season. But yeah, that 2016 team really used that as a jumping off point. Uh, they ended up being a number one seed in the tournament that year uh, with a pretty strong team. So uh, all we got to do now, Jerry, is uh, call up uh, Eric Bakker and see if we can get credentials yeah exactly exactly
2: i think i think you i think you'll give us some
1: <laughs> and then um and then uh we can we can do a tour of italy um with with the team maybe get to, you know i've always wanted real authentic italian food so um uh,
2: as long as we pay our own expenses i don't think he will have a problem giving us credentials he'll give the credentials
1: will be the easy part the other part of it might be the more difficult thing but at least it doesn't conflict with acc kickoff it's in august so we, you know people might know where we are in, in, in July They'll, they might know where we are in August uh, as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's good news for Virginia basketball. Um, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you'll, you'll probably readers out there, listeners out there uh, readers of both of our websites will say, you know, what's the big deal. They're playing exhibition games. This, this is going to be something that'll help this team uh, get ready for next year. So um, baseball this weekend, uh, big series at Louisville um louisville coming off a uh losing two out of three in a tight series with virginia tech in a top 10 matchup this past weekend down at blacksburg uh last weekend of the regular season before we get ready for postseason play
2: yeah i mean you know, i think brian o'connor has to be really happy with his team after uh, all those rain delays and moving games around and everything last weekend against clemson and being able to take that series uh that was a big deal um winning uh, the last couple of home series against Carolina and Clemson um, and kind of regaining the momentum they had temporarily lost uh, before that with a little bit of a losing slump. And so I I think he's got to be happy going into Louisville this weekend, knowing that they've already got a a spot clinched in the ACC championships next uh, week down in Charlotte. And, um, it's not like that they have to fight their way in like they did at the end of last season. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, he's got to be happy where his team is right now. I, I think what he would like to do now is, is take this series, which would probably help them host a regional. And it's, I'm sure he'd like to have uh, be in that situation again. It's something that Virginia fans kind of got spoiled on for a long time. They seem to host almost every year. Uh, so, I'm sure he'd love to bring that back to Charlottesville with the momentum that the program has picked up uh, from the end of last season on. Uh, it'd be interesting. Yeah, you know, I haven't done this. We had to look up and see uh, what the record has been since postseason last year. Uh, all that uh, winning they did in the ACC and the NCAAs and add that onto this year's record. I'd say that's a pretty good uh Pretty good number, I would think.
1: Yeah, see, they would have been four and one in the regional. Um, then what in the super regional? Do we win? How, how do we do in the super? I'm trying to think how we did in the super. We we were two and one there, so six and two, eight and four against really good opposition. Um, I think we were two and two uh in the acc tournament because we got to the semifinals and lost to duke i'd have to look at the right because we were 11 and 14 at one point last year yeah there's gonna have to be some math that's a that's a good one though because we were 11 and 14 at one point last year uh, overall and then had to play and and ended up in the college world series that would have put us somewhere what was our where our record ended up being last year let me look at this real quick that's a great one that's 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 one that we need to look up um Let's see. We ended up uh, 36 and 27. So 25 and 13 down the stretch last year. 37 and 13 this year. Uh, 62 and 26. I don't. Th- I don't think there's too many people should be up to go <laughs> 62 and 26.
2: That's a that's a pretty pretty impressive number right there. The
1: fair number. The 16 of those games last year were against other teams playing for NCAA uh, championships. So um, yeah. to go 10 and 6 against that group is pretty good too. Um, no question. No question. So, yeah yeah and, and and that's the thing with this team this year yeah right now rpi they're top 15 i think they were 14th when i looked last night um you know you go if you're if you're the top 16 seeds end up getting to host a regional um win a couple this weekend win a couple next week in charlotte and uh you know you're 41 probably 41 and 16 if you do that you're hosting uh you're hosting a regional and. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah, we did get spoiled. We had we had a lot of those uh, for for quite a while there. Those are fun things to be a part of.
2: Yeah, it, it would be good to see um, see it back here in Charlottesville, I, especially after the Ryan Zimmerman game when they uh, had the standing room only and had nearly six thousand people in the stadium. So that that would be cool to see again.
1: Heck, maybe maybe instead of setting our sights just to host a region host a regional, let's uh, let's let's win some more games and. Get in the top eight and we can we can put ourselves in a position to host a super regional yeah. those are even more fun <laughs> they are they really truly are that series with virginia tech felt like a super regional so uh we'd love to have that atmosphere back uh you know like you said jerry with the great attendance with the ryan zimmerman game and just that whole weekend uh felt like i felt like that level of play um and uh for baseball fans uh it's 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 been a while since we've been able to see that in person for, for most of us um folks i don't know if many folks made it down to south carolina for, for for last year it didn't look like there were too many people there but those back-to-back wins over maryland back in 2014 and 2015 in Charlottesville and super regionals man you can cut the tension with a knife uh from the first pitch of the game on those those are incredible that's an incredible atmosphere to be a part of
2: yeah no question and uh that those were some good Maryland teams too. So that, that, that was a, a very memorable series for sure.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, uh, Jerry, anything else uh, catching your attention? Uh, we got a lot to, we've, we've covered a lot and we've got a lot still on our plates here.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, you got to uh, tip your cap to the uh, rowing team. It's won another um, ACC championship. I think it's 12 in a row or something and uh, 19 of 20 or <laughs> It's a real dynasty, and it doesn't get much attention, I guess, because it, you know, it's not, it's not a sport that draws a lot of fans or fan interest. I think, but uh, the lacrosse team uh, playing Maryland, undefeated Maryland, in in a huge NCAA quarterfinal game this coming Sunday in Columbus, Ohio, and then uh, the two tennis teams. I think Virginia is the only. School in the country with both the men's and women's tennis teams, um, still alive, I guess. And the men's golf team was fighting for its postseason life today. I haven't seen anything yet.
1: I just saw something they felt just short of advancing.
2: I, I thought it was gonna be tough because they came yeah. in to be a ninth, uh, seventh place, they had to be in the top five, yeah. Uh, not one of be- uh, not one of best uh, the best uh, bow sergeant teams that he's had. Uh, although they should be greatly improved next year, he's got some great recruits coming on board. Uh, this year was a struggle, but they rallied and, and made it interesting. And the, the women's team, Rhea Scott, uh, man, you got to give her credit. She's uh, she's built a really good team for the women and. They put on one of the greatest performances of all time uh, last week in Michigan to to get into the uh, NCAA championships. So, with some good luck and uh, repeat performance, who knows? They could do something pretty magical in the uh, national tournament. But that's, you know, that's uh, if you're a Virginia fan and you like Olympic sports, uh, wow. I don't know how you could ask much more than what they're putting out over there right now
1: that's right spring's a good season for virginia fans no doubt <laughs> well for jerry ratcliffe i'm chris graham we'll sign off here on this edition of the jerry ratcliffe show thank you for all your support hey jerry we should probably thank our sponsors before we sign off
2: like to thank uh, aberdeen barn and uh, uva orthopedics and ragged mountain running shop uh, all great people go see them uh, don't go see UVA orth- orthopedics unless you need to. But if you need to, that's where you need to
1: go. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to have to go there, but if you have to go there, go there. Oh,
2: that's Absolutely. Right. <laughs> and um, we'll be having one of their great doctors on next week to talk about sports injuries. Aberdeen Barn is the best place you can go get a steak. Uh, we're going to be taking Alan, Alan Osborne, the polka dot coach over there, sometime this summer. He, he didn't a- want a burger and a
1: beer. He wanted an Aberdeen Barn steak. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. I think his mouth was watering after we told him about that place. And, uh, of course, if, uh, go see uh, Mark Lorenzoni and Cynthia uh, at the Ragged Mountain for your walking and running needs. They they can help you with whatever problem you've
1: got. I'm I'm wearing a pair of Ragged Mountain shoes right now as we speak. Absolutely.
2: So. Yeah, absolutely.
1: There we go. Well, Jerry, thank you for your time. Listeners out there, thank you for your time. Go to jerryrackliff.com, Go to AugustaFreePress.com for the latest on Virginia sports. Everyone have a great day.